0: Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. In the name of Jesus, amen. One of my favorite uh, sites, it's a uh, satirical site called the Babylon Bee. Have you ever heard of that? The Babylon Bee. Uh, humorous. Um, it says it's a news source, but it is a joke. So I've posted these before and people we in outrage thinking I was posting real news, much like The Onion. Anybody read The Onion? Yeah, okay, all right, good. All right, so uh, here it is. This is the latest headline from the Babylon Bee. It's mostly church stuff, but they, they make fun of everything. Uh, oops, this is the wrong one. That's actually funny as well. Sorry about that. Let me uh, get down there. I thought I just had that one. Here we are. Local church offers introvert service where nobody has to talk to anyone else. Cleveland, Ohio. Faith Life Church revealed Thursday the unprecedented popularity of their newly launched introvert service. A church service where believers averse to social situations can come and worship the Lord without ever having to talk to anyone else. Taking place after both the traditional and contemporary offerings, this new service allows congregants to enjoy church in silence without being forced to greet each other with a saying or question, touch each other in any way, or engage in never-ending small talk afterward. It's unbelievable, self-described introvert and church member Anita Kimball told reporters. I've struggled my whole life with the church traditions that forced me to invite people into my bubble. No more turning and greeting my neighbor with some contrived cliche or having to hug Mr. Jenkins or lying after church that I really want to get together with so-and-so. Thank you, Jesus. At publishing time, the faith-like elders had confirmed that they are in the market for a new church building to accommodate the explosion in tenants due to the new service. Does this sound like a church service you would like to go to? You're supposed to say no. You're all like, no, that's terrible, pastor. But honestly, would you like to sometimes be able to not talk to anybody? Just do your thing, come, and just you and God and leave? Anybody? You know, you're not gonna raise your hand, obviously. So we do sometimes, right? had a bad day maybe. Some of us I think in general I think, actually I think a lot of Christians, uh, I think especially in America with our our uh, virtue of independence, um, I think it's way out of hand. It's just me and Jesus. I think there's something in us that's sort of like we'd like to just, We I think people actually literally will say this, like I go to church I take communion and I receive from the Lord and I don't want to do the shake people's hands and I just want to get that and listen and go, right? And, uh, but I think we all can be honest sometimes we all probably want to do that maybe you've been an, on council or in various committees here and you really don't you've been maybe you've had some arguments and you're like i don't want to see anybody at church i just want to be my myself right maybe you had a bad day certainly let me tell you pastors can feel this way uh i had a I have a good friend and uh, he's in the church business. He's a, a professor and, and uh, a great writer. And, and um, he literally will say, like, I love Jesus, but I don't really care for his church. Have you ever said that to yourself? Now, he'll never say that outright, but it comes across like that, right? Because I know he's a Christian, loves to talk about the gospel, but it seems like every church he visits... There's something wrong. People are goofy or strange or the leadership's off the charts or the pastor's uh, not the greatest. Uh, You know, it just goes on. Every church, there's a problem. Every church, he's got a complaint. And he'll, he'll literally say that, you know. I don't know about any of these churches, you know. There's always something wrong. He loves Jesus but can't stand his church. You ever feel like that sometimes? It's not crazy. To feel like that. As a pastor, I like to say, I would love being a pastor if I didn't have to deal with people. It'd be great. We could all be like that. But that's not how it is. That's not what church is. That's not what it means to be a Christian. I'm going to tell you this you literally cannot say that you love Jesus. And don't love his people. You can't do that. You can't have Jesus and not the church. I really mean this. You can't have Jesus and have his church. Christianity is not a McDonald's where it's an American phenomenon, right? It's eating. You go and you go to this restaurant. There's tons of people in this city. Any restaurant gets packed, but you go there, you get your meal, you sit with your people, and you dine this intimate experience, but you're not, you don't know anybody else that you're eating food with, which would be crazy. Back in Jesus' day, that'd be the weirdest thing. Because back then when you had a meal with someone, you had it was a sign of friendship, of unity. In fact, Jesus got in trouble a lot because he shared meals with people he shouldn't share meals with sinners, tax collectors, right? People like that. You can't have Jesus and not have his church. And I think we're seduced to think that's the case. It's me and Jesus my relationship with him and that's all that matters and we come in to our life in Christ with sort of blinders on to people around us and I, and I do it too I'm tempted to do it too because Jesus is easy to love he's awesome he never does us wrong right he's sinless and he died for us pretty easy to love a guy like that but Jesus in the flesh which is you and me you know this Jesus in the flesh, in this world, Christ present in this world, is his church. Sinners, redeemed by the blood of Christ. That is the church. That is God incarnate. You will not experience Jesus any other way than that. It's crazy, isn't it? Paul says this in uh, Galatians chapter 3. He had to deal with this sort of issue. People that might say they love God, but they don't love one another. He has to do this a number of times, actually. All his letters, quite frankly, have something to do with that. But in Galatians, which we read earlier, he deals with that specifically. Now, the biggest issue of Galatians, the church, there's a church in Galatia that he's writing to. The biggest issue is that they were not quite understanding that their salvation is completely the will of God. The the fact that they are saved, the fact that they have hope, the fact that they have peace is totally a gift from God and Jesus Christ. They have that by believing in Jesus, and that's it. That's the number one goal of Galatians, okay? That people understand you are totally and completely saved by grace and not by anything you do. But a subsidiary goal is what that looks like in living out church. You see, if you think that you are saved by things that you do and not just by the grace of God, then you will treat one another differently. If you think that you are not totally a dependent person on God's grace, then you will judge other people by their behavior, right? And you'll think a little more highly of yourself. So Paul first needs the church in Galatia to understand that they are completely, completely in every way Saved by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Not because they asked for it. Not because they deserved for it. Not because they said, I'll pay you back later, Jesus. But because God gives it to you for free. And you have it simply by believing the promise. But then Paul goes on here. Actually, I'll first go to this wonderful passage here. Galatians 3. And then we'll hit 6. The implications... That all people, no matter who you are, wherever you come from, are saved by grace is this. He says this. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Period. Nothing else. You are a son and daughter of God by faith. Believing in Jesus' promise. For all of you, and this, for those that think baptism is symbolic or it's a choice that you make, what does he say? For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. So ethnicity no longer matters. Slave nor free. Job, occupation no longer matters when you're in the church. What you do out there, whether it's your ethnicity, whether it's your job, your it doesn't matter. It's all gone in Christ. You are a family, right? There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all equal as children of God in Christ's grace. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You're one. You are a family. What's kind of funny about families, and maybe you've got this hardship in your own family, but you don't get to choose who your family is. I had the kids up here, uh, the first service, to do a children's uh, message, and um, I asked them, Do you like your family? <laughs> yeah, you family, yeah. Do you like your family? And they're all like, yeah. Then one girl, she's like, not all the time. And that was great. Like, that's really honest, you know. (laughs) Of course, the parents were leaving like, I don't know, mad. Why'd you tell them that? Anyhow, but uh, (laughs) that's how it is when you're, you, you, you didn't choose your, you didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose your brothers and sisters. You got them. That's the same thing in the church of God. You don't have a choice of who your brothers and sisters are. You've been brought together in Christ. It's the same thing here at St. James. He's brought us together. You know what I mean? What helps us in dealing with one another that we might not have things in common with is knowing that we are totally equal in our sinfulness and in our joy in knowing we are completely saved by Christ. And when you know that and every day you wake up, reminding yourself of that you might look at everybody a little differently everyone who needs christ who lives in christ so paul says this he gives us some ideas of what it looks like to live as the family of god he says brothers if someone is caught in a sin you who are spiritual should restore him gently but watch yourself or you also may be tempted i love this so if there's a problem in your church if you see someone that is caught in a sin or having a trouble, the solution is not to divorce yourself from that person or to gossip about that person or separate from that person or talk about that person or to look down on that person. You are a family member. You are responsible for one another. That's what it means to be church. And so when you see someone who's messed up or screwed up or going through problems your solution is to help how can i help you now does not mean today you should start looking at people and seeing, yeah who's caught in sin around here so i can help them no <laughs> you might be that person but if it comes up if you see this or someone else is talking about oh so-and-so they're really what can i do to help you maybe it's, sometimes it's I need to help my brother or sister in Christ realize they are really doing something wrong. I'm concerned. But not in a judgmental way, but you want them to see this. Why? So they may know forgiveness. I love what Paul says. If someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual, you think you're so spiritual, then you don't, you don't separate yourself. You love others. So he says those who are spiritual, restore him gently. The goal of church, the goal of of dealing with sin is not casting out; it is restoration. He goes on. He says, "Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ." We are called to love others, to take care of one another, and we do a decent job of that. At Saint James. Very naturally, people talk to one another and are aware of each other's challenges. I've noticed that. It's beautiful. But we want to do a better job of that, more intentionally. It's one of our goals in the next couple of years of creating intentional fellowship so that no one is, as George Bush said, left behind. If that leaves a bad taste in your mouth, uh, don't connect it to politics. But no one's alone here. We don't want people to come and go and deal with their own challenges whether it's a death of a loved one or a frustration or there could be awful things going on and someone's sitting right next to you and they could use a hug or they could use just what's going on just a conversation nobody a part of the saint james community whether it's you're at our school or you you're in our church doesn't matter but our community should be alone with their own problems so open your eyes, look and see and be ready yourself maybe, and this is the hardest part one might say, it's certainly hard for a pastor it's okay to ask for help carry each other's burdens. If anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself each one should test his own actions. In other words, mind your own business when it comes to your righteousness <laughs> where you are in your walk with Christ. You take, worry about yourself, right? And the point of that is don't be comparing yourself to others. As a part of St. James, your job is, it doesn't help you at all, to be thinking, where do I stand in the righteousness ladder? Am I up here? I, come, I volunteer a lot here. I come almost every Sunday, and that person really doesn't. I must be up here. We have a weird tendency, to, I think it's just an American competition. All these things that are great for America, for a government, I think murder the church. Many of the virtues that do well in our society kill the church, you know that. Whether it's individualism, whether it's uh, comparing and comp- competition, these things are great for society, sure. But it's the opposite in the church. He says he, uh, after each one tests his own actions, like worry about yourself, and you can take pride in yourself without comparing yourself to anybody else. And finally, I love what he says. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Church is a family. You are called to be in family. And you are responsible for one another. It's not just I mean, you, you call a pastor to do a lot of things, if you will, on behalf of the body of Christ. But don't let that take away responsibility you have for one another sitting next to you and the mission and the ministry of St. James. This is your family, and I pray that we do a better job opening our eyes, myself included, to people that are hurting, that need their burdens carried, that need their sins forgiven, that need community, because we live in a world that is dysfunctional. We live in a world that is separated, right, and isolated, people stuck in this town and yet alone. We have an opportunity here to bring people not only to the Father in heaven through the blood of Jesus, so they know they are not alone, that God who made them loves them in Christ, but we have an opportunity to give a community where you're not alone, that we are in this together in our journey in this world, that Christ is present with us through one another. May St. James, may may God bless St. James with this. And whenever... this is our goal to do this in the coming year we're going to fail at this and I'm going to fail at this we're not going to be the best brothers and sisters in Christ but the good news is that we are the church of God not because we act like it but because he has made us that way because we are the body of the one who despite our sins despite our uh, evil despite our deeds despite our rebellion God sent His Son to us to grab us, to gently restore us. He died for you and for me, and gave. He was alone on the cross, so that you would never be alone, but always with God and with one another. That is our God, the One who died for us, reconciled us to Him, and He will. He will bless St. James, and through St. James, he will create community here. He will break down barriers. I promise you, this year, you're going to see barriers broken down. You're going to see people from different walks of life coming together and being one in Christ right here, working together. It will happen. Why? Because I have confidence in the head of the body of Christ, I the father of the family. In Jesus' name, amen.